All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Oh, sweet music to my ears. Yeah, we are opening up more and more seats here, and uh, it is so good to hear everyone give a shout out to those who are at home. Welcome. I hope you can sit back in your jammies and your messed up hair and uh, enjoy today's service. And I am excited about this. I hope how you're doing spiritually. I hope you're, you're coming out of the spiritual doldrums. I believe a big part of that is actually coming to the gathering and gathering together and worshiping together. So let's pray and dig into God's word because we are going to jump in and discover what he has to say uh, from his words. So Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you so much. I thank you for giving us hearts. And you, you tell us that we need to guard our heart because the wellspring of life just keeps on bubbling out of our hearts. And so our hearts are so important. And they've been bruised. They've been stretched. They've been, they've been like kicked around this last year and a half. So God, help us to understand what a heart after you is. Help us to get that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what the series is about. This whole time that we have together is uh, through this whole summer. We've been saying for the last year and a half, our, our hearts have been kicked around. It's been tough. It's just been hard. Can we just admit that in a big way? Uh, and so what does it mean to have a healthy heart, a thriving heart, a good heart? And so it's interesting as, as we're trying to understand that, we are looking at the life of King David because he was described again and again and again as having a heart after God. And if that's not good enough, I've got a verse to throw at you. And this is one of the verses that uh, I've just been loving and, and, uh, and digging into. It's 2 Chronicles 16.9 and it says this. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely Complete his, whose, whose heart is completely his. Whose heart is completely his. For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, so he may support those whose heart is completely his. His. And so the deal is, like, what would it be like if God would strongly support you? Would you go, wow, okay, like, I'm in. What would it be like if God strongly supported your family? strongly supported what you did at your job? What happened if God decided to strongly support you in your home and in your finances and in every different area? What would you sign up for that course? It would only take a course, right? What would, it, what would you sign up for God strongly supporting you? Well, what it is, it's simply this, a heart that is after him completely, fully. And then God said, okay, good. I found somebody whose heart is completely after mine, and now I want to strongly support them. I want to strongly support them. So then we ask the question, what, what does a, a heart after God look like? And this is why we're looking at the life of David. What does a heart of God look like? So week one, we talked about the huge faith that David had. To run into the face of Goliath, sling the stone, and hit and knock Goliath out. As one young person said, I never knew that that stone only knocked the giant out that he actually had to cut the head off. That is like so, that should be on the big screen. I, I, it's just nasty, right? So 
This, what would David have to do to do that? He had this huge faith. We talked about faith as not being a blind faith. It's not like, oh, just take a step out into nowhere. No, God has helped him again and again. And so his faith had reasons. We also talked about that it is not 100%. Faith does not, you don't have to work yourself up to 100% faith because a faith of a mustard seed is good enough. So we have a lot of misconceptions about faith. But we found out this, that faith, biblical faith, is much like trusting. Just trusting him, trusting him, trusting him. And so a heart that grows through trust, grows faith through trusting him. Last week we had Mike Beecroft. And uh, Mike, if you are listening, thank you so much. You talked about a faithful friend. And I love that. I Just how you continued to come back about how King David and Jonathan were faithful friends. And our most faithful friend was Jesus. I love how you brought that back. So I, I hope you, you listen to that and gain from that, that not only a heart after God is one that, that grows in faith, but it's a, it's, a, it's a heart that grows with others. We have to do this in community. We, we're not meant to be alone. In fact, the local church, I believe the local church, but you know what the church really means? We should not use the word church ever. That should be sort of like expunged from the Bible. It should actually be translated gathering. It should be called gathering. So, well, you, know, you know, when somebody says, well, you know, it's, not, it's not that you're not supposed to go to church. You are the church. Well, you know, put the word gathering. You're not supposed to go to a gathering because you are a gathering. It makes no sense. Actually, you are supposed to gather together because that's what the word means. We gather together. If you want to be a part of a local church and growing, and, and you don't do faith alone. You gather together. So let's jump into to David's uh, David, a little bit of story right now. And we're going to take a little bit to land. I'm just going to let you know. I'm gonna, it's going to take a bit to land, but we are going to land this, this plane. And <laughs> the deal is, there's about three things. If you've actually opened the Bible and read this for yourself, you go, huh? Is that allowed? Huh. So I want to explain a few of the huh p- passages, all right? Because I, I want to encourage you all to read the Bible for yourself. I don't want you to sort of just depend on me. So we're gonna, we're, I'm going to try and help you with the huh passages. All right, so we got the idea that uh, David was, uh, went out on many military campaigns, and he was so successful. He came back, and of course, people were just praising him for what he'd done. And I, I got to read the past, so it's, it's really cool. So you get this, David's probably a teenager. Uh, just think, you know, put a teen, a, a guy teenager in your head. Okay, can picture a guy teenager. All right? Got that? Got locked somebody in your head. Now I'm going to read this passage, 1 Samuel 18, 6-7. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel. Ow! All right? <laughs> to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. All right? Okay? And joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. All right, they're like got the guitars out, they're singing. This, this teenage guy is coming back, and they're coming out to, to, to honor King Saul. And this is what they sing. And they danced and sang, Saul is slain his thousands. It's almost like, you did a pretty good job, Saul. <laughs> not bad. Like, not bad. We're, we're throwing your bone on this one. And David has killed tens of thousands. All right? So young women are hanging out the window. Women from all the t- are singing and dancing. And you go, wow, okay, that's a lot for a teenage boy to handle, right? Can we just put that out there? That's a lot to be able to say, wow, you just like hit, hit you know, top 40 like when you were quite young. 
And yet he, he, he was able to take it in stride. You say, well, why was that? Why, why were they so excited? Not just because maybe he was good looking. But this is, this is a, an interesting part of history. If a city would lose a war, then the opposite army would come and plunder everything, including the people. In fact, these young women would be the spoils of war. And so when their men went out fighting, they not only fought for territory or whatever, they fought for their own safety. They fought to be able to keep safe. And so no wonder they just sang out saying, it's amazing God has saved us through these people. Well, David was not so, uh, Saul was not so excited about this. And so Saul continued to sort of brood. He'd already been rejected by God for, two, for over two situations. And some people say, well, well, why? Why was Saul rejected so quickly? Like David messed up a bunch of times, but he wasn't rejected so quickly. Listen, when you look at the two times when, uh, when Saul was, uh, was rejected, you find out he was actually chasing after the people's opinions. He, he first of all, you know, waits under this pomegranate tree and, and everybody's going to like, uh, like try to, you know, they're going to fight the Philistines. There's so many of them. They're leaving. He's worried about the people, worried about the people. And so he, he goes ahead of, of God's plan. Uh, the second time he's supposed to actually do battle with the Malachites. And, and he wins this one. But guess what? You know, his people, his people wanted to keep the best up. And so he actually sort of caved to his people. In fact, at the end when Samuel turned away and started to walk away, he grabs Samuel and, and rips his, 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 his shirt and bails it. Come back and bless me. But it wasn't about getting right with God. It was about, but if you're not with me, the people... And you start to see where, where Saul's head was at. It was always about other people. Instead of, God, what do you want? My heart's about you, God. I'm here for you. I just want to hear what you say. I'm not taking a poll. Uh, my poll is, is a poll of one. And so the Spirit of God left Saul. And whenever the Spirit of God leaves a situation, it opens up a door for evil to enter. And so this is the next situation we see. Uh, Saul is like troubled by a troubling spirit. Some translation says it's an evil spirit from God. Some people say it's a troubling or, or unhelpful spirit. And, and basically, so some people say, well, is God flinging evil spirits around? That's a good question to ask. God is sovereign. He is. But the interesting thing is when we read in the book of James, it says that God is not an author of evil. God does not do this. Does not author evil, but I'll tell you something. If God's blessing comes off of you, all the doors and windows are open. It's just a bad place to be. It's not just, oh, you know, I'm going on a vacation from God. What you're doing is saying, God, I don't want you in my life. I'm opening up the doors and windows to let other things in. And so that's what happened to King Saul. And he was troubled by the spirit. So he found out that not only David was an amazing musician, uh, warrior, but a great musician. Had him in, do some concerts for him. It was good. It settled his heart. Saul was able to worship. Guess what? Isn't worship good for our souls? Come on. Let, let's, let's. Isn't God, worship good for our souls? That was, that was a solid B, all right? 
solid B, man. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. We're all coming out of COVID. I'll blame that for next year. Okay, so so what happens is, he, you know, David, and then all of a sudden, he must have, like, had a, a, a bad key change. You know, maybe he was flipping the page. I think it was flipping the page. And all of a sudden, he's flipping the page, and then, like, Saul goes, and the evil spirit comes. He chucks the spear at, at David. And it's awesome because David gets out. This happens twice. Okay, so this isn't good, right? Once on you, one the second time on me, right? But David gives him even more grace, and now it happens three times. Three times he's getting the spear chucked at him. And so he says, I got to get out of here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And so his wife, who is Saul's, Saul's daughter, Mikiel lets him escape, and, and she sort of, she puts a family idol in bed with goat's hair. Isn't that just awesome? I'm sure we all, you know, we sell them at the Christian bookstore. No, okay? <laughs> just no. <laughs> you say, what is Mikiel doing with a family idol? And I'm, I'm, this is not a miniature, all right? This is like, like it, it's the same size as a grown man. You go, what is happening you just start to realize the spiritual condition of Israel in that time. It was a mess. They wanted to fight their physical enemies, but they never got their spiritual enemies in order. The whole place was just a messy place. And so, David was uh, let out the windows, nothing but the clothes on his back. No food, no way to defend himself. The anointed king of the future, it's like saying, you got great potential, which is really cool when you're 18, really bad when you're 50, okay? You got great potential. And so David is sneaking out the back door. He's got great potential, but he has actually nothing. So David goes to a priestly town called Nob, and there he knows the priest. They know, uh, how do we know he knows the priest? It's because he's left Goliath's sword there. So he, they've had some contact. He's pretty good. But the priest, when he goes and talks to him, he seems a little scared. He seems a little sketchy going, ah. and, and we don't find out till a chapter later why he's a little scared because there's this guy called Doag the Edomite. All right? There's a name for your children. Doag. All right? So Doag the Edomite is actually one of the chief warriors of Saul. And he's chilling. He's chilling at, this, at, at the, this tabernacle place. And so you can almost see the situation. Can't you see it? David comes in. Okay, okay. Do you have anything to eat? And the priest is going, oh, hey, hey, Doag. How you doing? <laughs> and then uh, he said, why do you want something to eat? And so David outright lies. Isn't that great? He goes and says, listen, I got a whole troop of guys, and uh, Saul told me to go and, uh, you, know, you know, have this little war on thing, and, and so I need some more bread. I need just uh, some bread. You got anything, please, anything. And you know that sword, Goliath sword? I'll take that too. And so the priest goes, okay, I don't have any food, but I have food that's made exclusively because of the law of Moses for priests. We find out it's called the showbread. They make 12 of them every week. And it all depends how many priests are around, how much they eat. And so they sprinkle them with frankincense. They set them out and arrange in such a, a precise order. Sometimes they're called the bread of arrangement so that they're there. And he only had five left, so David's here midweek. And so he says, listen, I've got five of these that are only supposed to be for the priests. But you can take them. You go, hold on, hold on. They got idols. David's lying. Now he's taking 
bread that's like only for priests? What's going on? But he takes it. He takes it. And he gets out of here. Let, let, me, let me stop and, and do a, talk a little bit about this, this uh, situation for a, a while. Doesn't the law really matter? Doesn't the law really matter back by this? Actually, Jesus uses this very part of the scripture to have an argument about the greater good or the lesser versus the greater in other words, uh, Jesus, Jesus' disciple in Matthew 12 were going through a grain field and they're pricking grain and eating it. They're harvesting during Sabbath. And the, and the rulers of the law said, you can't do that because that's against the law. No wonder you're a lawbreaker. You should not be doing that. And then Jesus appeals to this principle. Here's the principle. Listen, there are some things greater and some things lesser. And the greater trumps the lesser. In other words, we're really hungry, and it's, it's not against the spirit of law. You know what the spirit of the law is? You're supposed to rest. The letter of law is you can't pick that one grain of... No. The letter of law sometimes fights against the spirit of the law. The spirit of law says, listen, we're hungry, and that trumps the idea of having to do that. And that's what uh, actually, that's uh, what Jesus said. And he goes a little further, saying, rulers of the law, you always focus on the minutia, but you forget the spirit of the law. As uh, one commentator said, actually, this is Paul Evans, our very own Paul Evans, our uh, prof from uh, uh, Mac uh, Div College. He wrote, uh, he, uh, he wrote a, uh, what do you call it, a commentary on First and Second Samuel. This is what he said. However, Torah laws were subject to interpretations. For instance, uh, were uh, in instances where straying from regulation does not concern, uh, does, uh, was, <laughs> Oh, I got to get this right. However, Torah laws were subject to interpretation in instances where straying from regulation uh, is for the greater good. That was not written down right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. In other words, listen, the, the priest could take interpret, interpret laws, but if it was for a greater good, if it was for a greater good, that's, that's good. This is why we have some instances, even in violence in the Old Testament, you're not supposed to kill, thou shalt not kill. But if, if an army is coming after your family for the greater good, you are going to defend yourself. And so in the same way, this is, uh, this is how the Old Testament was seen. And so that messes up some people, by the way, who are into minutia, who are saying, hold on, but that's wrong and that's right. Instead of looking at the greater good, I, I, I know this one situation, it just bugs the socks off of me. There's a young man that came out to our, our youth group one time, and uh, he, um, he grew up in a, a family where the, where the dad was really into keeping the Sabbath, which he interpreted as Sunday. So Sabbath, got to keep the Sabbath. You can't make anybody work on the Sabbath, so you really can't do that, which is which is, I, I guess, a good thing. That was a real big conviction for him. But they're on a road trip. They're a road trip. And it was like 11 o'clock at night, and his wife had to go to the bathroom. But they couldn't stop at a restaurant or a gas station because that would make somebody work. And so they drove on. Through her tears and the inevitable, he, the kid was sitting in the back seat and said, I don't want a part of a God that has anything to do with that about paying attention to minutia of the law instead of the spirit of the law. And so that messes some people up. But that's why David could take the showbread. Now David had food and a weapon, but no safe place to go. He was ratted out by Doag the Edomite in Israel. He was ratted out 
by uh, uh, some other people there in Saul's area, so he knew that he was, he was done for. He was done for. So he goes and, and join, goes to enemy territory. This is like, this is like really gutsy, all right? You, you know, really gutsy. He goes to enemy territory to hide out. And the closest city is Gath. So he hides out in a Philistine town named Gath. Now, Gath might sound familiar to some of you because it's the hometown of a really good big guy he just killed. He's going to Goliath's hometown with Goliath's sword strapped on his back to stay safe from Saul. <laughs> Can I just say desperate? Can I just say how desperate he was? It's just crazy, crazy. So he hides out there. And, you know, people switched sides. They became mercenaries. In fact, Doag was an Edomite. So they, they had, you know, mercenaries came back and forth. So he tries to keep a low profile. But the king's servant recognizes him and rats him out to the king, the, the uh, Philistine king. And so guess what? They grab him. They take him before the king. This is David. He's the, he's the guy that killed Goliath. He's the one that they're all singing the songs for. What would you do? What would you do? Yes, I am. <laughs> then we don't hear any more about David. <laughs> what would you do? This is, I, I love his creativity. 1 Samuel 21, 13 to 15. And, and, and so he, that's David, pretended to be insane in their presence. That is quick thinking. All right? And while he, and while he, he was in their hands, okay, he's, he's like, he's, they're, they're grabbing him, right? He acted like a madman, making marks on the doors and the gate. That's awesome. That takes, you know, like I am, I'm dead, right, unless I scratch wood off this door. And so, you know, slivers don't count. It's better than getting dead. And so, ah, ah, he's doing this. And then he lets saliva run down his beard. And that's just gross, all right? But that's, that's cool. I would love to see a movie about this one too. And Achish, that's the, that's the, the king of this one city by, the, by those five, five Philistine kings that sort of work together. Achish said this to his servants, look at the man. He's insane. <laughs> Why bring unto me? I love this little, I love this little like sidebar here. Anybody in leadership might, might smile about this. Am I short of madman? <laughs> that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Listen, do I am I short on people that are insane around me? They seem to be around everywhere. Amen. Amen, right? They're everywhere. You're bringing me somebody else. Must this man come into my house? Get rid of him. So they chuck David out. He's got Goliath's sword. I don't know, maybe a bit of stale bread. He can't go to Israel. He can't go to the Philistines. The only place he goes then is out in the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert in a cave. You've been anointed king. You had girls sing about you. A lot of them. And you're sitting in a cave going, great. So this is the time, this is the time where David makes up a song. Artists, artists, if you're an artist, you know sometimes in your deepest pain, sometimes that's when the best songs come out. 
So David writes his song, and this is where I'm landing. David writes his song, and we know it. There's not a lot of these psalms, but this psalm actually says the situation in which this psalm was made. It's Psalm 34. I guess it's got to be one of my favorite, if not my favorite psalm. It's Psalm 34. It says, a psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Amen. <laughs> That's a long song, Tyler, right? You know, good, good father is a little shorter, but that one, that one will have to do, right? Maybe it's shorter in Hebrew. You're sitting in a cave. You have no one. You have nothing. You don't even know if you're going to live the rest of this week. How would your song go? What's, what kind of lyrics would come out? All right? Try it, try it. At home, sing a song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows. Okay, maybe, right? <laughs> oh, not the, quite the top ten. It would be an, a, a lament psalm. That's, ah, I'm the king. Ha! Big deal. Thanks for the oil, Samuel. Ha! <laughs> Didn't really do much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let me read to you the song that he wrote. Psalm 34. People, just prepare yourself for God's word. <laughs> so good. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Thank you, God. 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 That's what that is. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. When was the last time you were like that? Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. How bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Uh, humble or afflicted. In, in other words, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know what? I'm, my soul, I just can't help. I'm going to say, you know what God did for me? Man, it's awesome. You know what God did for me? Oh, come on, sit down. You know what God did for me? I'm going to be boasting about, how do you know he's boasting to other people? Because the phrase right after says, the humble or the afflicted will hear it and go, oh, that's good. That's why we have God's stories, by the way. Can I, can I tell you, that's why we have God's stories. If you come in here humble, if you're watching with a humble heart and afflicted heart, and you hear people say, God met me, God challenged me, God pushed me. The reason why we're doing God's stories is not just to fill a time slot, because I want the humble to hear it and, and be glad. Oh, there is a God. He, he's, worked, he's worked in Tina's life. He's worked in Dave's life. He can work in my life. There's hope that, 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 that in, generates in our lives. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord through me. And let us exalt his name together. And that is the thing. It's like you say, magnify the Lord? Yeah. I remember uh, I, I have uh, an old telescope, a Galileo telescope. It's got dust on it now, and I need to pull it out again. But I remember when I first got fooling around with it, and, uh, you know, I just try to figure out, I think that's Jupiter sort of focusing in. And all of a sudden, you can see the moons of Jupiter. I go, that's so cool. And I looked up, where's another real easy thing to find? And it's the Andromeda galaxy. And I found the, the you know, the constellation Andromeda and that little fuzzy thing I moved in, and then I saw this, like, beautiful, beautiful galaxy. 
And I just stood back and wondered, you know what magnifying does? It brings things that seem to be far away real close. Do you have people in your life that seem to think that God is so far away? I do. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Why? Why, why, why? So we can exalt his name together. Together. Huh. This is why I love this psalm. And then he says this, then he says this. I sought the Lord. Then he's basically telling his story. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. And rescued me from all my fears. And basically, he's giving you the backstory. You read it in Samuel that he's, he's this insane guy, right? But guess what? All the time, he's going, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Ever been like that? Oh, God, help me. And he's like, ah, oh, God, you got to help that pull this one off, right? I sought the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. They looked to him. In other words, he's heard enough of other God stories that this is not just with me. This is with other people. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. You see a radiant person? That is somebody that's just had a God story, right? It is. And then he talks about his heart. And remember, we're looking at David's heart here. This is a guy that had the top 40 song. This is a guy that had all the girls checking him out. This is what he says. This wretched man cried out. The Lord heard him. Saved him out of all his troubles. It's not about me, not about my skills. It's, it's not something I can pull off. This wretched, wretched person cried out. The Lord heard him. He had a bunch of strikes against him, right? This is a guy that's lying to get out of trouble. He's taking priestly things. This is just not like a good situation. He recognizes he's a wretched person. But guess what? This wretched person cried out to the Lord and he heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. In fact, it says the angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him and rescued him. What does this tell you about David's heart? Let me, let me tell you. David only has God at this moment. David only has God. But that's enough. David only has God at this moment. But that's enough. And if you listen to some of David's other songs that he wrote, this, this is just works in concert. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but, but you? And nothing on this earth I desire but beside, beside you. That you're it. David only heads God, but that is enough. Now, can I zero in on, on you? Single people, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's so hard. But God... In the midst of your story, and we don't know what the next page is, God wants to be your enough. Those without children, <laughs> who knows what the next page has, right? But God wants to be your enough. Those of you who have children, <laughs> you don't know what that next page is. 
God wants to be your enough. Those in good relationships and horrible relationships, God wants to be your enough. He can do that in good things too. But this is a vision of Church on the Rock. I want to see thousands of people experiencing the relationship, the thriving relationship, the living relationship with Jesus. That's all it's about. That's really all it's about. And once you have him, you have what you need. Once you have Jesus, you have it all. So what's the conclusion? God listens to wretched people who depend on him alone. <laughs> Can I hear some amen from wretched people? Amen. That was stronger. That's good. Uh, good. I'm glad I know my church knows that they're glorious messes, man. You know that. God listens to wretched people who depend on him alone. And God draws near to fully dependent. I have nothing else I can do. I can't figure out my way. I can't manipulate my way out of it. It's not me. I don't have anything I can do. I'm in a cave. I have nothing else. God. God will move close. Now, I know some of you out there are going, hold on. Well, that's not me right now, Dave. I'm pretty good, actually. I got a job. Got the boyfriend, woo! Got the job, the boyfriend, and I'm doing pretty good. So I don't feel really super needing dependence right now, right? Because I'm kind of good. I got a verse for you. <laughs> All right, this one's found in the New Testament. This is Jesus himself. And this is Jesus himself in the very last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And he's speaking to different churches. And this is God speaking to a church. Maybe a church in North America, of course, it was back then. But he speaks to, continues to speak through here. And this is what he says in Revelation chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. So because you're lukewarm, <laughs> you know where it's going, right? Neither hot nor cold. Have you ever done that? Wind it to take a nice hot drink of tea or hot chocolate and go... Things cold already. Oh, here's a glass of water. Thank you. Nice cold. I'm sure it's just right. So that's the feeling here. God is is expressing. He's going blah. All right, to a church. <laughs> that's a good thing. I'm not a Bible translator. Just putting that out there. <laughs> and God says blah. <laughs> so you, because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. And so they have physical wealth. So you do not realize that you're wretched. There's the name again. You do not know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This is all spiritual. This is soulfully. You are soulfully wretched, poor, blind, naked. You're spiritually Wretched, pitiful. Why? Because you're depending on the good circumstance in your life. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, can become soulfully rich, come spiritually rich with white clothes to wear. That's that holiness. So you can cover over your shameful nakedness and put salve on your ears so you can see. So now you see everything different in this world because now you've bought from me a spiritual health. And so I ask you, as I ask myself, when was the last time you got real with God and just got real dependent on him? That God draws near 
to fully dependent people. God, God draws near to fully dependent people. I noticed something um, in my own life, and I, I, I'm assuming I'm like you guys, that when I sing, my heart is engaged, or at least it can be, right? We're about to worship real soon, and our hearts get click. Oh, there's the music, and our hearts are well engaged. You know what I always say about those who, who sing with your hearts engaged? You've got to turn your mind on, too, about what you're singing about. <laughs> Put that aside, okay? Number two, those who pray. you got your mind going. You pray down through the list, right? When was the last time you had your heart turned on when you prayed? Pray for this person that they, you know, they'll be well. I pray that they can have strength for the day. I pray for this person that they get their job done. I pray. Oh, God, that young woman needs help. She needs it so badly. And, God, she can only do this with your motivation. Oh, God, we depend on you 100%. She can't do it on her own. So fill her with your spirit. Oh, God, do that. See how that's different? See how I need to do that. And then the second part is simply this. God's stories need to be told. I will... I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. You know, my soul will make its boast about the Lord. And guess what? People are going to receive it, and it's going to magnify God. It's going to be good. So God's stories need to be told. So whatever you're filled with needs to actually spill out. And so that's our two challenges today from the heart of King David. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. Come on up. Let's prepare for our hearts to... To be engaged with God. But can I go back to those two things? And I'm, I'm going to ask our, our, our people to, to just put up a prayer. The very last prayer I have in my notes. It says this. God, give me a heart that fully depends on you. Give me a heart that fully depends on you. Oh, God, give me a heart that fully depends on you. And then give me the boldness to tell the story. I'm not sure which one you need. But we're going to ask him, we're going to depend on him to do this work in our heart. Because I want our hearts to be hearts fully after God. I want him, God of the universe, to come and fully support each one of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, what a great example David is, even though he is a mess. He certainly is this person that does not get things right. But God, you know what? His heart's right. He's just fully dependent on you. And he has the boldness to tell the story. So God, I, I pray for our people as we pray this prayer together. Just pray along in your spirit with me if you could. God, give me a heart that fully depends on you. Give me boldness to tell the story. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just give it up for worship, not for the band, just for God and all that he's done. God, you are so good to us. God, you are so good. It is so good to worship with you all.
All right. As uh, some of you know, we have a uh, um, added a little thing here at the end where we get to ask some questions. So, Katie, go take it away. All right. So, um, my first question is: uh, You talked about God listening to wretched people who depend on Him alone. Yes. So, I love what that means. Just depending on him solely. Does that mean that we have to be alone? Yes. Great question. Great question. Because, yes, I think last week's uh, message was a whole idea about friendship and how God uses friendship. But that's, that's the thing. I think there's a slight just nuance which didn't come out, which is good. We only depend on God alone. But God uses other people. And so I've, I've got some encouragements today. And yeah. God used someone, like a person in my life to, to encourage me. So I've got, I've got people in my life that, that help me and encourage me. Mm -hmm. And that's good. But I don't depend on those people. I depend on God alone. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I know that definitely sometimes in my own faith journey, when I've been in a low place, just hearing other people's faith and having people yeah. who are faithful around me has helped a lot. Yeah, and that's a part of the, telling the whole story, right? Yeah. And that's why it's so good to be in community where it's so hard to be that, uh, that person. I was out on, you know, on the trail, and uh, someday I'm going to do this, like do a whole th series on campfires, right? And so you built a campfire, but it's at night. You've got to put it out, so you just separate the logs, and once the logs are separate, they go out because there's no fire unless you're together. And uh, so in the same way, yeah, I think we, we need this community, and God uses that. That's so good, Dave. I love it. <laughs> um, I also wanted to share something um, yeah. from my own devotions. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was really cool that you spoke about Revelation um, chapter 3 because I just read about that a few days ago. Um, and I remember thinking in that passage, um, Pastor Dave was encouraging us to remember that like the riches of this world and like the things that make us feel secure in our own society aren't actually the things of God necessarily. And um, like in this passage, it says that we need to realize that we're poor and we actually don't have the spiritual riches that, um, that we need. And as I was reading it, I was just asking God, what does it mean when you say, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire? Um, I was like, if we're poor, what can we buy anything with? <laughs> and... Um, what God answered back to me was, um, we buy it by offering up our lives. Um, and I think uh, I've been in conversations with a lot of people lately about control and how we, we think that we want to have control over our lives and we don't want to give it over to God. It's hard to do that. Um, but reading this is a reminder to me that when we give over control to God, that's actually the best plan. Um, he knows how to guide our lives way better than we ever could. And so it's just an encouragement for us to give our lives over to him and to trust um, that he actually is much better at taking control than we are. I love that. I love that image. Buy from me gold. Well, what do I have to give but my whole life? Yeah, I love that. That's great. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Dave. Um, <laughs> I think um, one thing that I wanted to bring up, we've decided to kind of talk about our announcements at the end because we see them as action steps. And um, one thing that we've talked about a lot is this fully dependent prayer 
just coming to God in full dependence. And we have a chance to come together as a community on a monthly basis at our prayer summit. Um, Dave, I'd just love to ask you, why did you call it the prayer summit? Yeah, no, that, that's a really good thing because uh, we had been calling this, this gathering a uh, praise and prayer, but we just realized that praise just didn't work really well over, over Zoom so well. So it's just prayer. And so what, what does it mean to get together? We didn't want to call it prayer meeting, but it, it seemed like, listen, can we get all the, the important to get, like, like the things that happen to change the world happen at these summits, these world summits. Like they're important, they're things that change the world. And so let, let's get our people together and, and let's create a summit that's going to change our world mm. in prayer. So yeah. I love that, Dave. Yeah, and I think one thing that jogged my memory about it today and what you were saying is that when we come together in prayer, we're showing that we are fully dependent. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So that prayer summit is actually coming up next Sunday um, at 8 p.m., so July 25th. Um, and then there's also a couple of things for youth that we wanted to talk about because um, it's good to be together. Even as teenagers, it's awesome too. So we have a couple of events coming up that are for both junior high and senior high. Uh, one is happening on July 30th, and the other one is on August 18th. So for junior high and senior high, this is a great time for you guys to come together and remind each other of your full dependence on God. Very cool. Yeah. And then I think the last thing that I'd like to mention um, is just uh, our opportunities to give. Um, this church is built on the generous gifts um, of our people. And so I just want to encourage you that you can um, give your financial gifts at the debit machine here or even online. You can send an e-transfer to gifts at churchontherock.ca. Um, and that's on the website and should be behind me as well. Yeah, gifts at churchontherock.ca. Um, and another great reminder before we go is that you don't have to put your chairs away today. You can leave them. Yeah. <laughs> So I know that our setup and teardown team is very excited about that, that we get to do that this summer. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so before we are dismissed, um, Dave, would you pray for us? Love to. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we love you. You gave what was most precious so we could have you. This whole crazy, crazy world could start again. And we'd get little glimpses of it now. We'd, it would come together in heaven and then come back here on the new earth. And God, we, we get these beautiful glimpses of how beautiful you are. And God, it just makes us want to draw close to you. It makes us want to bring others along on the journey. So, Father, the things that we should be most dependent on you those who are close to us, those, those in our places of work. God, I pray that you would stir up a dependence on you, a heartfelt dependence that will change eternity. So God, I pray that you'll plant those seeds deeply in our souls, and we're looking forward to seeing what you will do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. You are dismissed. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>